Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is a portion of today's gospel, Luke chapter 15. We hear again these words. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of our God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Have you ever lost money? Now, I don't mean you lost it gambling or you lost it in a business venture or a bad investment or something like that. I mean you you actually physically lost money. You dropped some money out of your wallet or something like that. Maybe you dropped a quarter down the drain, probably never going to see it again. Maybe you ran a 20 in your jeans through the wash. You may never see that again either, especially in my house because mom claims those things. And so we we check our clothes very carefully before we put them into the wash. The last time I was in Israel, I was standing on the platform that where the gondola lands that takes you back and forth from the ancient fortress of Masada. Very windy area in the mountains. And as I was standing there, I reached into my pocket for something and pulled it out. When that happened, I pulled out my wad of travel cash that I had with me. And it fell down onto the concrete deck. Now again, very windy up there. So I reacted calmly as any mature adult would. I went, ah! And I jumped down and I grabbed it. And my the guide who was with us was all also jumping after it too because he didn't want it to get away. Uh, My face went from a a shocked grimace to a relieved, relieved smile. I actually rejoiced to have that money back in my pocket. In the portion of God's word before us today, we learn what it takes to make the angels rejoice. You see, like our Savior, they are interested in finding those things, in reclaiming those things which have been lost. In fact, every time a lost soul is found, the angels rejoice. They're happy because God is happy. You see, our God longs to show grace. He wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. His deepest desire, his fondest wish, is for sinners to repent of their sins and trust in Christ alone for forgiveness. And my friends, when that happens, God is happy. When that happens, there is a party in heaven. When that happens, the angels rejoice. Let's make those angels rejoice. My friends, for that to happen, it means that we need to live lives of repentance. And it also means that we need to lead our fellow sinners to repentance. So why is Jesus telling stories about lost things? Lost sheep, lost coin, later on in the same chapter, he even talks about a lost son. Well, because once again, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are giving him a hard time. They're wandering around and muttering and grumbling and complaining that this guy, this so-called rabbi, he actually sits down and eats with sinners. They can't believe it. If this rabbi was worth his salt, he would know he shouldn't be with those people. He should be with them, the religious elite. That's how their thinking went. But their thinking was ridiculous. Just for example, with whom does a doctor normally spend most of his time? With sick people, right? He's there with them in his office, uh, examining them, prescribing medication for them. He goes and sees them at the hospital when he makes his rounds. Sick people all day long. And why? Well, because that's what a doctor does. He takes care of sick people, tries to make them better. 
My friends, Jesus is no mere teacher, nor is he some kind of traveling self-help guru or something like that. Jesus Christ is true God, Lord of all, and the Savior of the world. So who else would the Savior of sinners be spending time with than sinners? That's why he came. That was his mission. He himself said so. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In our text, Jesus illustrates this idea with a story about a woman who lost a coin somewhere in her house. It's interesting. Archaeologists say that this must have been a fairly common occurrence because when they excavate first century homes, they often find all kinds of coins and often they've slipped down between the stones in a stone floor. I think we can relate to that, right? I mean, how much change right now is in your couch? Probably enough that you could take the kids down to Big Cow for a nice cream. But this was no mere change. This was something a little bit more. The coin in question was a Greek coin called a drachma, which it's kind of hard to, to determine value, but basically it's about as much as a day's wages. Now, if you got your paycheck and you noticed that there was a day's worth of wages missing, you'd be on the phone to accounting right away. That's a significant amount. Losing this coin was no small matter. It required a search. So that's what the woman did. She lit up her little oil lamp so she could check in all the corners for that coin. She swept through the whole house and she found it. And when she found it, she didn't just pop it into her pocket and say, well, good, I'm glad I've got that. She actually called her friends and neighbors together and said, hey, I've got good news. Rejoice with me. I found that lost coin. Lost. When you hear that word, do you immediately think of yourself? Or do you tend to think of others first? as being lost. You know, dope dealers and drug users and petty thieves and child abusers and wife beaters and porn addicts and human traffickers and rapists and murderers and adulterers. You get the idea. It's very easy to see the lostness in others. It's not so easy to see the lostness in yourself, nor is it particularly comfortable. But my friends, God forbid that we ever forget just how lost we really are by nature. I mean, we were not born into this world just filled with spiritual life. We were born spiritually dead in the sins that we inherited from our parents. We weren't born into this world filled with love for our Creator. Just the opposite. We were born His enemies, hating Him, wanting absolutely nothing to do with Him. We were not born into this world filled with this natural knowledge of the way to eternal life. We were born spiritually blind and lost and wandering. And my friends, if we had been left to ourselves, we would have remained exactly that way for eternity. We would have remained lost. But again, our God took action. Our God found us. He sent his Son to seek and save us. He sent his Son into the world, into our flesh, to be our substitute, to be all those things we cannot be and to do all those things that we can never do. You see, our God wants holiness. He demands that. And we simply cannot deliver it. And so Jesus, our substitute, did that in our place. He obeyed every command of his Father. He fulfilled the entire law of 
from beginning to end. For about 33 years, he lived a life of sinless obedience in thoughts and desires and words and deeds. And what's amazing is now our God looks on you and me as if we are the ones who lived such a remarkable life. God wants blood. He demands payment for sin, a payment that we could never make for a debt too massive to even imagine. So Jesus made that payment. On the altar of the cross, true God and true man offered himself up as the payment for the sins of the world. My friends, that precious, priceless blood washes away your sins and mine. But that's not all. That's not all that God did to save us. Left on our own, We wouldn't have cared anything about what I just told you. We would have rejected that good news of Jesus, our Savior. But God took care of that as well. God sought us and found us. He called us out of the deep darkness of unbelief into the bright light of faith. In holy baptism, he implanted that gift of faith in Christ deep into our hearts. He pulled us out of the devil's claws and placed us onto the lap of our loving Heavenly Father. And he still is feeding us, isn't he? He's still feeding that faith. He feeds us, his adopted sons and daughters, with the faith-strengthening food of his word and his supper so that we remain his children and his heirs who are going to live with him in perfect peace for all of eternity. God did it all. He did all the searching, all the finding, all the saving. And because he did, you and I and every believer in Jesus can say, I was lost, but now I am found. And every day, my friends, we have the privilege of living in this repentant faith. Repentance for us is like breathing. We exhale the carbon dioxide. We confess our sins. And then we inhale that pure oxygen. We breathe in the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We trust in him for forgiveness. My friends, such a life as that causes the angels to rejoice. And my friends, as God's children, found by him, we have every reason to join them. What a shame if we don't. I mean, what a shame if we kept this wonderful joy all to ourselves. What a shame if we were content to be the found and also content to let everybody else out there be the lost. We don't do that, do we? I mean, if you run into a lost child in the mall, don't you try to do something to help? You at least try to comfort that child. You perhaps stay with him until his parents come back. You might call mall security. You just want that child to be reunited with his parents. Well, my friends, our God wants a reunion, too. A reunion between himself and sinners. He left no stone unturned in making that happen, in seeking us and saving us. And now it is our joyous privilege to do the same thing in his name, to reach out to the lost, to give up time and talent and treasure for the ministry of reaching out to those who don't know Jesus. You know, this world is just filled with sinners like you and like me. They too have a Savior. They too just need to be found. And we can look for them, right? We do that in our personal lives. Each of us has a a circle of friends and, and loved ones and co-workers around us. And some of those people know Jesus well. Some of those people maybe have never known anything about Jesus at all. Some of them know Jesus, but for one reason or another, they're wandering away from him. We have the ability and the opportunity to reach out to them. 
a kind word or a, a handwritten card, an offer of help during a time of need, a conversation over a cup of coffee, an invitation to a church event, a Bible study, a worship service. Don't underestimate the impact of these little connections. You see, each one communicates that you care about that person, and each one may gain you the opportunity to talk about the one who cares more than anyone else. Hockey Hall of Famer Wayne Gretzky is famous for saying, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Now, he was talking about shooting a one inch by three inch piece of frozen vulcanized rubber into a four by six net. Not really that important of an activity when you stop and think about it. But we can apply his words to this situation. You know, if you invite a friend to church, he may not come. If you invite him 10 times, he may not come. But if you never invite him, he almost certainly isn't going to come. So take a shot. That hockey player, he's just trying to light a goal lamp. Our goal is to cause those angels to rejoice over one more sinner who has repented. And of course, we don't just do this as individuals, we do this as a congregation, don't we? We offer worship services and Bible studies and publicize those events. Uh, we offer activities for children like Vacation Bible School and Mornings with Mommy. We offer an excellent Christ-centered education through our Lutheran Elementary School. We send out thousands of postcards at Christmas and Easter and reach out to people through radio ads. We support mission work right here in Manitowoc and throughout the world via our Synod. And why do we do all of these things? Well, because our God wants all people to be saved. Because our Lord Jesus shed his blood, not just for a few, but for every last soul. And because he calls us to carry that good news in his name. And because God the Holy Spirit works powerfully through that good news to change human hearts. Because every time a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. This past week, we got a phone call from my oldest son, Marcus. He had lost his wallet. Interesting that it came up this week when I was preaching on this text. Uh, now, of course, it's not like he lost a bunch of money. He's a college student. He doesn't have much money. Uh, but that wallet was one that he and his grandpa had made together. And, of course, now also he has to replace his driver's license, uh, cancel his credit cards and replace those. Uh, it's just kind of a pain. It's kind of a hassle. It's kind of a bummer. So I know if he happens to come across that wallet this next week, we're going to get a joyful phone call. My son will rejoice to have found it. Well, think about it for a second. Dollars and cents, credit cards, driver's licenses, even a, a handmade wallet. How do these things compare to precious souls for whom our Savior shed his priceless blood? My friends, let's make those angels rejoice. Confess your sins and trust in Christ alone for forgiveness. And then do all you can to share his wonderful good news with everyone you can. God grant that to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen.